Hi there, welcome back to Christopher Gabinator show. And tonight, it's in the middle of the night, it's 3.21 in the morning. Uh-huh, just saw somebody's Russian Trump troll message. You know, these Russian Trump trolls have really just ruined uh, social media. We need to, uh, it's another reason we need to lock up Trump. Or put a chill on his Russian Trump trolls. They won't get paid. It's probably the only people he's playing. He's, pray, he's paying. Playing and praying. Oh, hey Siri. Open Michael Cohen's podcast, Mea Culpa. I'm trying to get through Michael, Michael, um, Michael Cohen's podcasts, which are amazing. Hey, Siri. Go to Michael Cohen podcast, make me a culpa. Now playing Cohen's Corner by Michael Cohen on Apple Podcasts. You can always what? ask me to switch to a different app. Your choices will help me learn the ones you like. Okay, Cohen's Corner. What's this? I don't even know about this. Robbie Gold. Hey everybody, Michael Cohen here, welcoming you back to another episode of Cohen's Corner. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's show. As always, you can find episodes so of this wrong. podcast available on Michael iTunes, Cohen. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, mm. Spotify, Amazon hey, Alexa, Pandora, and just about anywhere else you listen hey, to shows. So if you happen to be listening on an Apple device, we encourage you to leave a hey, star rating, five stars if you like the show, and maybe oh, a comment shit. as well. No, I'm stuck on this crap. It's great to hear from Guys, every time uh, able to release a new episode. Today's oh, guest no. is San Francisco 49ers kicker Robbie Gold. Oh my god, no. Oh my god, that sounds so boring. Fuck. Biden ain't my Super president. Bowl Bowl the Chicago Bears, they can't prove anything. He's the Bears I'm more interested in the billionaire sucks. Oh my god, I'm being spammed by this shit. Hey Siri. Robbie's career really began a number of years ago. Hey Siri. When he was trying to decide which sport he wanted to play. Oh my god. Uh, he started at Central Mountain High School in football, soccer, basketball, track. He got fucking, his kicking jeans three-time All-American soccer player at Lock Haven University, a Division II school in Pennsylvania. His father won a national title there and went on to play major indoor soccer league in the United States and Robbie ultimately decided oh my God. to pursue football. So boring. He, no scholarship offers. he walked on at Penn State University, won the job immediately and May held the starting job for all process. four okay. uh, He went undrafted, did not get invited to the combine and so he worked his way into the league the hard oh. way, signing as an undrafted free what agent the actual with the Patriots. This was a time in 2005 when the Patriots had just won another Super Bowl title, and they had a kicker in Adam Vinatieri, who was first-team All-Pro and Fucking among Christ. the best, if not the best, in the league at the okay. time. So Robbie Clue. Oh my God! Thank God. 
Okay, how do I fucking shut this shit down? Save episode. Go fuck yourself. Not the least in interested in football. Football can go fuck itself. <laughs> colonizer bullshit. Hysteria. Can I browse? Listen now. Library search. Okay, search all podcasts. Maya Kulpa with Michael Cohen. Here we go. Finally. Okay. Let's see here. Chumps, we listened to uh, the most recent one once recently. Trump's big lie became the big grift. Get a fucking lawyer. Trump's legal reckoning has begun. Uh, January 6th committee has enough ev evidence to indict Trump in a conversation with Brian Tyler Cohen. We, we heard that one. The G GOP girds their loins as the January 6th hearings unravel their treachery. Okay, that sounds good. Loin girding. <laughs> I have invited Michael Cohen on to this my show. I've invited him to my show. Um, you can interview him if he wants. You can interview me. So, ready for POTUS, Senate Sheriff, Justice of the Peace. Lots of things, and uh, as a Berkeley Oxford graduate, honors graduate, type of medical university. Anyway, yeah, I'm lobbying the government on the best interests of public. Thanks for almost 10,000 followers across social media. Love this theme song. It's my miracle. Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. I'm going to sound like a broken record talking about gun violence again, but the United States outdid itself, and we had the deadliest weekend of mass shootings all year. Over a three day period, and I'm talking about from Friday to Sunday, there were 17 people killed, at least 82 people wounded in Philadelphia, in Chattanooga, in Omaha, cities and towns coast to coast. Someone brought a gun to a public event and just started fucking shooting. And yet, a full 44% of Republicans have been brainwashed into believing that mass murder is simply the price we pay for freedom. Republicans, if you're listening, gun violence isn't freedom. It's yeah, fucking insanity. The people are hurting. Fuck Families are, parents are. And look, as, as, as divided as our country is, this gun responsibility issue is one that we agree on more than we don't. It really is. Look, this should be it. A nonpartisan issue. This should not be a partisan issue. There is not a Democratic or Republican value in one single act of these shooters. It's not. But people in power have 
failed to act. So we're asking you, and I'm asking you, will you please ask yourselves? Can both sides rise above? Can both sides see beyond the political problem at hand and admit that we have a life preservation problem on our hands? Texas Senator John Cornyn, the Republican that Biden hoped was reasonable, said Republicans would only agree to narrowly targeted measures to address gun violence and rejected an end-of-the-week deadline for a deal set by Chuck Schumer. What a surprise! And rather than get some guns off the street, Cornyn insists we need to make schools harder targets. Cornyn's Democratic counterpart in the negotiations is the intrepid Senator Chris Murphy, who came to the table probably hoping that a Texas lawmaker would want to take action after the mass murder of school children in Uvalde. But no, and why? When Cornyn can just stall long enough for it to forget about those kids, but as long as Murphy keeps showing up to the fight, there's hope. A good guy on a mission to save America from itself makes the bad guy being paid by the NRA look like the murderer that he is. Speaking of murderers, the students at Texas A&M can relax a little bit because Kyle Rittenhouse will not be attending classes in the fall as he earlier claimed. In fact, Texas A&M never received his application. People right there. <laughs> However, Rittenhouse, fueled by Johnny Depp's recent win in a defamation lawsuit against Amber Heard, announced on Fox News Monday that he's suing Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, various other social media sites, and probably Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, seriously? Because they labeled him a murderer and a white supremacist. He says that the media needs to be held accountable because he can't live a normal life. Quick refresher, Rittenhouse, then 17, carried illegal firearms across state lines. He killed two unarmed protesters, seriously injured another, and then got off in court with zero accountability. But lots and lots of hate online and in the press, such as the price of fame, Kyle, and guess what? There is no normal life after murder. Do you guys remember what life was like before COVID? I do. It's a mass shooting every week. Anyone remember that? Thank God for COVID. <laughs> Some had to lock these murderous whites up, keep them in the house. Also on Monday, the Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal from the St. Louis couple who stood on their front lawn and waved guns at protesters after the killing of George Floyd. The couple face an indefinite suspension of their law licenses. Mark McCloskey, a personal injury attorney, I mean, go figure, right? And Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate, Missouri, argued during a debate last week that video games, reality TV, and other media had created a culture of death and called for the return to broken window policing, which targets minor crimes and was the specialty of the disgraced mayor, Rudy fucking Colludi Giuliani. And one last bit from the news of the strange file. Far-right bottom feeder and Breitbart hack Milo Yiannopoulos has ditched early retirement to sign on as Marjorie Taylor Greene's unpaid intern for the summer. Milo, now 37, has recently come out as ex-gay, supports conversion therapy, and asks us all to pray for him because his political skills are rusty. 
Well, good luck to the happy couple. But the real news couldn't come at a better time as we head into the January 6th hearings. The bizarre saga of Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro is still unfolding. Last Friday, Steve Bannon, coup plotter, war room podcaster, and senior aide to the former president, was indicted by a federal grand jury on two counts of contempt of Congress after refusing to provide testimony and documents to the January 6th committee. Bannon, hard-pressed on a subpoena because Trump apparently ordered all of the former cronies to invoke immunity and not to say anything or turn over any documents based on some deranged notion that they are protected under executive privilege. Well, guess what, moron? You're not. And Bannon is expected to go on trial in D.C. in July. This morning, a defiant Steve Bannon vowing to fight contempt of Congress charges. I'm never going to back down, and they, they, they took on the wrong guy this time. Unapologetic party animal and former Trump aide Sam Nunberg told The Atlantic that Bannon never believed any of Trump's big life bullshit, but went along with it so that he'd get a pardon in the end. Bannon, at the time, was facing fraud charges connected to the bogus We Build a Wall online fundraising scam and finally did get his pardon in the very last days of the Trump administration that one pundit likened to the last helicopter leaving Saigon. Nunberg went on to say, the tragedy of Steve Bannon is that when he leaves the White House, he's known as the great manipulator, the intellectual heavy of the international populist uprising. But still, he ends up in the fetal position at Trump's feet. Bannon's coup co-conspirator Peter Navarro was yanked off a plane last week because he too rejected his subpoena and was considered a flight risk by federal prosecutors who, according to the much maligned Navarro, strip-searched him at the airport. Navarro was live on TV with MSNBC commentator Ari Melber when he famously described his plot to keep Trump in office as the Green Bay Sweep. Navarro claims it was a perfect plan. We didn't even need any protesters because we had over 100 congressmen committed to it. The Green Bay sweep may have worked for the Packers, but tanked for the insurrectionists. That's false, but I, I the question for the start of the interview. We'll yes, it is fine. But, right. but the, but the a, question for the start of the interview I is, yeah, I just want to, I just want to make sure here that we're kind of going by rules of the road. The question is, yeah, and you'll you get gotta, time to talk. You got to say that. And, and what I'm saying is that... that I don't have to say anything, sir. I'm asking you the question is, sure. what was the plan itself and who was in on it? Trump's former chief of staff and deputy chief of staff, Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino, were also neck deep in the efforts to overturn the 2020 election, also rejected subpoenas, and were also held in contempt. But they haven't been indicted, and the reasoning for that is still somewhat murky. We find the decision by the DOJ to reward Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino for their continued attack on the rule of law puzzling, said committee chairman Benny Thompson. But many speculate that because they negotiated with the committee's lawyers, Meadows turned over thousands of documents, phone records, and text messages to the panel that unlike Navarro and Bannon, they played ball. And for now, the DOJ is backing off. If only the Proud Boys had been so lucky. You say there's a wild man inside all of us. 
Without the records, the committee is now investigating whether Trump communicated through back channels, through phones or aides or burner phones, according to Axios. Perhaps that's why Don Jr. had such a tough time getting through to Pops. All in all, it's looking like the committee is, as Jamie Raskin said, going to blow the roof off the house. So be sure to tune in. Here's the deal. All the major news outfits, CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, will be covering the hearings live, while the Fox News Channel will stay with its usual primetime lineup. Well, that's actually good. No, it's actually good. We'll hear directly from the people who planned the coup. And now for the main event. Welcome back, my next guest on Maya Culpa, the ever astute Harry Littman. Harry is a former U.S. attorney and deputy assistant attorney general. Littman is the legal affairs columnist for the Los Angeles Times opinion page and professor of constitutional law at UCLA and UCSD. He can be seen as a legal and political commentator on CBS, NPR, MSNBC, and CNN. Littman is also the creator and host of the Talking Feds podcast, which is a must-listen for its sharp analysis of the myriad of corruptions, crimes, and moral failures of the Trump era and beyond. Harry joins me today on Mea Culpa as we gear up for the January 6th hearings and talk strategy for the midterm elections. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Harry... It seems to me that the GOP is throwing spaghetti against the wall, just trying to figure out some counterattack on the Democrats, who, of course, are now gearing up to drag them through the mud during the upcoming January 6th hearings. Now, Fox News, not surprisingly, is rumbling about this new evidence that Mike Flynn, I mean, seriously, Mike Flynn of all people, is prepared to present. And I understand that he's filed a lawsuit against the FBI and the DOJ, kind of like what I did, right? Now, he's saying that Barack Obama set him up. Do me a favor if you can. Explain this to my listeners. Explain it to me. Is Mike Flynn just fucking crazy, or is he, or is he crazy like a fox? Yeah, and I think the question is, was he always crazy? Because... Um, you know, he was, when first nominated, seemed to be a kind of a reputable guy. And he's, like, gone in a downward spiral, getting more and more crazy. So he now looks, you know, like a guy muttering on the back of a bus. Look, he is nominated to be the National Security Advisor, and he's caught talking to uh, folks in Russia before he is even on the job and trying to make foreign policy when we have one president at a time, and then lying about it. The notion that the FBI could have just ignored that is risable. And then, to the coup de grace is, the newly elected president of the United States goes to the head of the FBI and says, can you cut him a break and just, uh, you know, let him off? A, a clear case of obstruction. Whatever you think, and I know some of this arises in the wake of the Sussman acquittal. We can talk about that if you like. But the FBI would have been derelict to ignore that set of circumstances, which raised a real possibility that our national security advisor was 
compromised by one of our two biggest global adversaries. So, you know, it has been a fact-free position that has led him to become increasingly bold. And of course, the fact that he or anyone in the GOP is bringing a lawsuit says, you know, nothing. They have failed time after time after time after time in their more sort of publicity stunts. But he is you know, uh, using some kind of drugs if he's trying to assert that the, the, the circumstances that led to his dismissal and then the suspicion against Trump should have just been ignored by a national security agency. So again, my question with him has been like, did he start that way and we didn't know it and his previous reputation was unwarranted? Or did he somehow wig out more and more and more starting at the beginning of 2017. You know, but this doesn't take into consideration the fact that he was working for Donald Trump and under the Trump administration, under the methodology to which Donald Trump operates. This is standard operating procedure. Okay, Mike, you fucked up. You went, you met with Russia, they paid your son some money to his account, whatever it might have been. But we're gonna speak to James, we're gonna speak to Comey. We're going to speak to the head of the direct. Don't, don't worry. I got you. I'm the president. I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. And Mike, you've been loyal to me since the very beginning, and I appreciate that. Let me see what I can do. So Trump didn't think twice about going to, uh, to James Comey and to saying to Comey, hey, do me a favor. Cut this guy a, cut this guy some slack. Cut him a break. He's actually a good guy. He's one of us. Right. It was only at that time that Comey said, "Are you fucking crazy?" Did Donald turn on him and then ultimately make the decision that he needed to be fired? Why? Because he wasn't being loyal. He wouldn't play. He, he wouldn't play asked. corrupt ball. And and yeah. And and look, this this is really. Um, telling to me. By the way, we also have another little episode that happens right about now, which is Trump just giving up classified information to Russian diplomats who are visiting. But this March, I think it's March 15th, which is when, by the way, I, I sort of first got involved in a happenstance way in, in what's turned into this whole incredible brouhaha. But remember, we have these fevered days at the Department of Justice where Rod Rosenstein and others are saying, holy shit, do we have to invoke the 25th Amendment? Does somebody have to wear a wire going over there? Now, exactly as you say, the country knows, the DOJ knows what you knew already, which is Trump is crazy and complete considers himself completely unbound by any legal or cultural norm of being a president but this is when his craziness first presented itself and when everyone was understandably freaking out and saying what do we have to do about this guy do we have to open an investigation i think we do because look at the footsie he's playing with with you know our one of our biggest adversaries so those seem now like halcyon days when it was just beginning to occur to people wow is the 45th president a you know complete what is he a sociopath is he a manchurian you know candidate who's already captured by russia we got to figure this out now, ever since then, the country has learned to its chagrin, no, that's actually Donald Trump. But at the time, it, it was a mind-blowing set of developments that, that the FBI understandably thought 
it's got to come to grips with and figure out what's going on. You know, or merely just a useful idiot to Russia, which legitimately is probably what he really was. You know, again, like a, like a mob boss, he didn't say to James Comey, I want you to drop any action or any investigation into Mike Flynn. He didn't say that, all right? He's stupid, but he's not that stupid. And what instead what he did is like, hey, Mike Flynn's a good guy. Knowing Can that you he's doing clear? what I yeah. always talked about, he speaks in code. And the fact that Comey didn't read the code, the fact that Comey didn't understand, which he did, what Donald wanted him to do and didn't and didn't adhere to what we all knew that Donald wanted him to do. He's now a bad guy, and he has to go. Oh, yeah. He's he understood it. He just right. didn't adhere. That's right. He didn't play ball. And what did ball mean then? Actually taking a pending investigation and releasing it because the president, who may be implicated in the in the overall problem, says he's a good guy. I mean, that made, you know, Comey at... You know, lordy, lordy, uh, I'm glad I, you know, I, I made notes. Um, you know, Comey was absolutely gobsmacked by that. He knew what, what the president of the United States was getting at. And as you say, if you're the mob boss or the president of the United States, you don't have to take out the uh, gun and put an exclamation point on. You just have to intimate. But, I mean, Comey saw that. Again, though, it's just at, a, at the time, people didn't understand. Nobody understood just how crazy this guy was and how, how completely, you know, unencumbered he was by any kind of legal or cultural restraint. So people were understandably, you know, t you know completely panicked. The best gift for your dad is one he loved but wouldn't get for himself. Unbelievably comfortable Tommy John underwear. Dads agree, when you wear Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. Tommy John moves with you and keeps you cool thanks to breathable, lightweight fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Because Tommy John knows that you're the most confident when you're the most comfortable. That's why they don't have customers. They have fanatics. With over 17 million pairs sold, dads everywhere love Tommy John underwear. And since dad always wanted the best for you, grab a pair of Tommy Johns for yourself too. I mean, hell, you deserve it. Me personally, I love wearing my Tommy John second sleep pants and tees as well. So you should get Tommy John too. Plus, there's no risk because everything's covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. This Father's Day, shoptommyjohn.com slash Cohen for up to $30 off site-wide plus free shipping. Now through June 15th, get up to $30 off site-wide plus free shipping at tommyjohn.com slash Cohen. tommyjohn.com slash Cohen. See the site for details. This episode is brought to you by the new Sony WH-1000X Mark V noise-canceling headphones. Designed with two processors controlled eight microphones, these headphones are our biggest step forward in noise-canceling technology. With adaptive sound control that adjusts to your environment, speak to chat technology that automatically stops your music and conversations, these headphones are packed with features. Visit electronics.sony.com forward slash WH-1000X Mark V to learn more. 
You know, but the thing with when it comes to Donald is he actually sees past the tree into the forest. And one of the things that I'm very aware of is the fact that Donald believes everyone is as corrupt as he is. Which is why he felt comfortable to go to James Comey, to go to others like Rod Rosenstein and ask people to do things. Because he knows that they're as dirty as he is. They just have a better veneer, all right, that they display. And look, and I always talk about my case. And I don't talk about my case because I'm trying to prove something. My book, which will be coming out, the Department of Injustice, I believe will do just that. But we reached out to James Comey for comment. Of course, he doesn't want to get involved into it. James Comey was responsible for the promoting of the Steele dossier, that garbage piece of shit document by that lunatic Christopher Steele, like this Gomer Pyle type of, you know, or Mr. Bean type of British intelligence. And I always say, thank God the Brits have us, because if that's the intelligence that they have, they're fucked as a nation. What he knows, Donald, is that everybody is corrupt and everybody has skeletons in their closet. And so he felt that he was he was comfortable enough to go to all of these people and try to whitewash the investigation that was pending against Mike Flynn. When he realized that that wasn't able to occur, what does Donald Trump always do? Now he cuts bait. And it's time for him to go. You know, political at Politico actually did uh, a story on this um, a while ago. Uh, the author, I think, was uh, Kyle Cheney. And in this um, in this article, the thing that confused me, and I would love your take on to it. It says Michael Flynn, Donald Trump's former national security advisor, is suing to prevent the January 6th Select Committee from enforcing the subpoena for his testimony and documents. And what did he claim? He claims that it could violate multiple privileges, including his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, by forcing him to disclose evidence related to multiple ongoing criminal matters. And when I read it, I had to read it for a second time. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, it could violate. Either it does or it doesn't. All right? And then you always have the right to invoke your Fifth Amendment. So what the hell was he talking about here? Yeah. And, of course, he's gotten a pardon. So that so that much of the conduct, depending on how the pardon is phrased, he's free and clear from. Anyway, and I just want to go back again. It was, he didn't, as you say, this was all new to us, uh, not to you, but to us. It wasn't simply that he didn't play ball. And, you know, I mean, what we also saw was Trump's M.O. of spite. Remember, he insists on Comey's being fired while Comey is traveling that day in Los Angeles and not being able to take the plane home. You know, that is that is just a, I'm the, I'm the king, you're a vassal, you didn't do what I said, law and, um, you know, all principle be damned. All right, so Flynn, I don't make much, you know, what the heck is that about? It's, there's a standard playbook now and he and it, it doesn't it hasn't succeeded but here's how it goes first and he's done it is to say i 
you know, the January 6th committee has no legislative function. That's what they all do. That's what McCarthy has done most recently, John Eastman, even though court after court has rejected it. And then what they try to at least delay things, they try to make some kind of particular claim about my communications that you're trying to get are privileged. And that'll be, you know, anybody gets to be a lawyer. You know, uh, and to, to do attorney client or anybody gets to be a high level executive uh, official, notwithstanding, of course, that the president of the United States, the one and only, has already made clear there's no executive privilege being asserted in the way that it has to be. But it, it, it's just all a, a combination of delaying uh, tactics and really sort of thumb, a thumbing of the nose at the rule of law, which they see as all sort of, you know, democratic politics so I, I don't i don't think there's anything creative or ingenious about uh flan he's doing what you know the rogues gallery all do making the same arguments they all do they eventually will be all um, rejected but maybe after sufficient delay so he's not on the hot seat and you know that's that's maybe what he cares about i agree with you though is the last um, bastion of, of uh, scoundrels will be if he's put there to just take the fifth they, they seem unabashed about that as well i think that we can expect uh, Donald Trump himself to do in the deposition. It looks like he's going to have to take in the New York AG case, as as Eric already uh, did. Yeah, five hundred you know, times. Not try, five, yeah, they're not even going to try to get him before the one six committee because it's just not going to be worth the circus. And you know, but just take a step back and think about I don't know Ronald Reagan and Iran Contra or even Nixon. The complete contempt. Uh, that he shows for, you know, the rule of law, the gravity of what happened January 6th, the national imperative of finding out about it. All of this, he just um, dismisses in acerbic terms that very, very unfortunately, a big chunk of the country now adopts because Donald says so. And you have, you know, an ungodly percentage of Republicans who be still believe that Biden didn't win the election. And this is bad shit for the body politic. He doesn't care. Right. And this, if I'm not mistaken, this entire, uh, well, a big part of the investigation into Flynn had to do with communications that were ongoing in the Oval Office with Trump when he proposed deploying the military to seize voting machines, right, so that they could then uh, stave off the obvious defeat of Trump in the 2020 election. I think that's just that's part of it. One of the things I think Mike Flynn and so many others fail to understand, not only Flynn, Donald, despite the fact he didn't have the email address and so on, but Ivanka, Jared, all of them. What they don't understand is that the emails and the communications and everything does not belong to them. It belongs to the, the people of the, to the United States. That's who it belongs to. So it's interesting that he's taking a position that his emails, which are not his, again, it's the same reason why Trump was not permitted to rip up or shred documents or allegedly burn documents. You're not, you're not permitted to do that. Or, Those or are take not, them away to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Or take them and stash them away in Mar-a-Lago. Exactly. He doesn't own them. So to assert a privilege over something that's not yours, again, I just think is an interesting, it's an interesting tact um, or tactic, um, you know, by 
Mike Flynn, by others. I know that, you know, John Eastman, you had Kalina Mitchell. There's a whole slew of people that were there. You know, Alex Jones, you know, at the time that there was a whole slew of people that are involved into this shenanigans. But I want to move on and ask you. Well, let me just say one quick, uh, quick thing, which is starting a week from today when the when the committee's first hearing occurs, you're going to have that's going to be the theme of sort of any port in a storm and different schemes starting, um, you know, with with uh, this one, including what what Flynn is um, uh, involved in. So we're going to hear that, you know, unroll. But um, but you're right that it won't it won't include him. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's okay. So you know the interesting thing that's going to be going on on top of that is that the Republicans have now latched on to Nancy Pelosi's husband's DUI. Right, I saw that come over the news uh, the news feed, and it all seems like pretty desperate to me. But by all accounts. The committee has a hell of a lot um, of what seems like truly crazy conspiracy theories and, you know, harebrained plots that the coup plotters were exchanging in these text messages in these various different chat rooms. Do you think that we're in for some real surprises during the hearings? Well, they've, I think they've had some and they're trying very hard to kind of husband them so that they can you know, dole them out little by little and keep the American public uh, interested. But they've got a lot. Well, just yesterday, um, there it had been hiding in plain sight, but it had been hiding. There was, in the ongoing litigation between Eastman and the committee, the one that the judge said Trump and Eastman probably committed a crime, the latest filing by the um, Congress had just an exhibit, Exhibit A, but when you looked at it, what, what did it turn out to be? A memo written November 18th, barely two weeks after the election, by a heretofore unknown um, lawyer. And it had all the elements that Eastman would later try to deploy. It had the uh, attempts to delay. It had, let's get alternate electors. It had eventually try to get, um, you know, Pence to, to violate the 12th Amendment or maybe knock him out and get Grassley in. And so it showed, in other words, that, that, that these plots were a broader and we're talking about conspiracy liability if you're talking about crimes and b um were um uh you know went back earlier and and one one more quick thing to say here you know you're right about the documents and they're doing every kind of maneuver to to you know uh obstruct congress's inquiry and really not you know delay until it's done it's one of the reasons why people want the department of justice to come in because if they're investigating and they serve the warrant for all the emails, forget all this nonsense of maybe so and privilege. You turn it over and you turn it over now. People are not going to screw around with the DOJ the way they are doing with Congress. Nevertheless, I think the committee's done a really good job of assembling a variety of uh, sources for different kinds of snippets of information, and they are going to present. Um, their share of revelations and, you know, in their overall job of documenting kind of everything that happened uh, that day and before. And they're going to show, you know, a series of plots increasingly desperate, ending with the whole, you know, crazy physical violence to keep the law from going forward at January 6th. Right. So on one hand, you have to remember the visual of the storm of people 
entering the Capitol, you have to remember the screams of the police officer whose head was being jammed in between the doorframe, the other screams of a guy being hit, another police officer who was being um, assaulted with a steel rod and, and all of the other atrocities that were going, that crazy shaman walking around with this guy screaming at himself while walking through the halls of Congress. And yet the Republicans think that they can justify this act by now going after Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, right, who was driving under the influence, there's no doubt about that, right, had an accident in his Porsche with a, with a Jeep or something like that. It was a two-car DUI incident. Nevertheless, Paul Pelosi was actually booked into Napa County Detention Center and released on, on, on bail, $5,000 bail. I'm just not seeing the correlation between the two. I understand. Listen, what does Paul Pelosi have anything to do with the January 6th insurrection? What does Paul Pelosi's DUI have anything to do with the purchasing of burner phones by the Kramers, by, you know, in contact with Mark Meadows, um, all of the... Uh, the taking of the rally by Laura and Eric Trump uh, from that young girl, Jennifer Lawrence, and, you know, her fiancé boyfriend. What does any of this have to do other than what Donald Trump always does? Deflect, right? Deflect, deflect, deflect. I just don't see any correlation between the two. And if I was a member of Congress... I would turn around to the first idiot that decides to bring this up, which you know that they will, because everything that they do is to be, a, it's, it's, it's designed to be a spectacle, like when they attacked me during my House Oversight Committee, right? You know, will you agree here today, sir? <laughs> right, Consul? I do not like you, sir. Right? Will you agree? I do not, not like the eggs and ham. Right. Do you remember? You remember that idiot from I don't even know where he was from Louisiana or something, or maybe it was Paul Gosar was one of those assholes who turns around and says, "I do not like you, sir, uh, but will you agree here before Congress that you will not write a book? No. Will you agree, sir, not to do a movie? Uh, no. Right? I mean, this is the same thing. Everything that they do is designed. It's designed for a spectacle, and that's all that they're going to try to make here. I put an end to it. Yeah, well, look, I agree with everything you say um, and, and the series of what I think might be rhetorical uh, questions, <laughs> but I, with the, with the um, exception of one word, and that word would be justify. I don't think the Republicans are trying to justify anything. I think rather they're trying to change the subject and they're trying to, you know, rely on the short attention span of the American people. They're trying to get past the, you know, um, the latest um, right. assault by a reporter in the in the uh, on the floor of the Congress, and just, you know, deflect. I think is is the better word. So their strategy, you know, it's it's not. Um, now, of course, they made a tactical decision a while back, and now they're gonna. It's gonna have a certain cost. That decision was not. They had every opportunity to have a true bipartisan committee. 
uh, and they right. they refused to. And now it's what the Dems call a bipartisan committee. But of course, the two Republicans are um, of the same investigative uh, mindset. But they're not going to be able to, um, you know, filibuster and pontificate about Pelosi's husband during the hearings themselves. So at least uh, the committee and the American people will have a fair shot at a clean presentation of, you know, what happened. And they'll have to do this stuff sort of off off stage. So, you know, we deserve at least that, right? Somebody to actually put together. And, 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 you know, what? we deserve the cooperation of every public servant. We deserve Mark Meadows. We deserve Mike Pence. We deserve Donald Trump to come forward and explain what happened on this right. most cataclysmic of days since the Civil War. We won't get that, but at least we'll get somebody putting together a full um, report. And there's going to be quite a lot there, I'm, I'm confident. So, you know, it's a big uh, day starting, or a big month starting uh, June 9th. And we'll just see if the American public has the, you know, attention span to absorb it, because, you know, it's certainly a monumental event in American history already, and one that we have to be super cautious about not it's not repeating in as soon as you know november but with with the election of all kinds of people who are ready to not just ready to embrace but ran on a platform of the big lie we're looking at at precarious times in in this country and hopefully an exposition of just what happened on january 6th will make some reasonable people, you know, uh, hesitant to to continue to... You know, I don't believe anybody's mind yeah. is going to be changed. I don't believe anyone's yeah. mind will be changed. I believe okay. those people then that history. love Trump, yeah. That, yeah, it will be. It's it's a historical document. But I would like to give you... Tell me what you know about how the committee is going to present their case. I'm really curious, you know, as a former litigator myself yeah. uh, and... and now it's just part attorney because it won't be like the impeachment hearings because, because the Republicans on the committee aren't going to obstruct their own case. That's right. Right. So do you think that these hearings make or break Liz Cheney? And further, how much of an idiot is Kevin McCarthy? I mean, does his career survive if the committee has real dirt on him, which I believe that they do? All right. Three questions. So on the on what the committee is going to do, I you know it's not as if I have inside information, but reading the tea leaves, I think it's clear one they have ambition to be comprehensive. They want to lay out minute by minute, and some of this will involve you know second and third hand sources, everything that happened, but really uh, zeroing in not just on January sixth but on Trump himself. And I think they're Harry. Why do you say second and Harry? I'm so sorry. Why are you saying second and third hand sources? They have thousands and thousands of emails and text messages that I would consider not to be second hand, but I would consider to be, you know, first hand knowledge. It's coming from people that were in the room with Donald. Mostly. But there's a, there's a few things involving, say, Mark Meadows. A few, a few things involved there. So there's going to be some important junctures, but they still, they have something for everything. But I think also their overall sort of prosecutorial strategy is to not go for broke, not have 
potentially hostile witnesses there uh, who might go uh, south on them, but rather they're really, I think, going to be conservative in the sense of not wanting to fall flat, even if it means not taking the, the chance that, uh, of something that could be really dramatic, but they want to be controlled, bite-sized, use video when there's any doubt about the witness. So th those are the two aspects that I, I discern. Comprehensiveness and sort of safety in, in presentation, avoiding the, um, the belly flop that would, that would dominate the news and have Republicans crowing. Liz Cheney, what an interesting question. Man, she deserves in some future uh, political landscape not too far away to, to really come to prominence, be a bona fide presidential candidate. And it seems to me, you know, I'm not a political expert, but the dynamic there is can she get past the Republican Party, uh, you know, in her state that hates her? Because I think even in a general election, Wyoming or nationally, she's really won a lot of respect. So can they take her down at the most local level? And then McCarthy. 100% agree, he, you know, what a bald-faced lie. Everyone knows it was a bald-faced lie, thinks he's running away from it, including having said, and this is huge evidence that we have a right to, to know, that the President of the United States said, contrary to all this crap we're hearing since, he knows he was in the wrong. That's huge. He's, he's lying his way around it. Will he get away with it? His calculation is obviously that if he has any chance of being the next Speaker of the House, which is the only thing he cares about, no patriotism, no principle, he's got to just flat out lie. Um, will he get away with it? Well, if in November they take the, the House and, you know, he, he's counting on his people to be indifferent about his obvious moral um, failings. Um, could that, could that, I, I certainly wouldn't bet uh, against it in the sense that I wouldn't bet for any kind of uprising among Republicans saying, how could you lie about such important um, uh, matters? But that that's not just primary, but secondary and tertiary. And the only thing he's thinking about you know, it just says volumes about where we and the Republican it's, Party it's are that, today. It's that gavel. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. That's all he's thinking about is that gavel. And yeah, I do think Kevin McCarthy is an idiot. But what, what really He's not going to go to jail upsetting. for it, but he should go to political infamy. But he won't. Not in 2022. And not just him. Oh, yeah. All of the Republicans that and are Jordan played by, does, Trump's, yeah. by, by Trump's playbook, right? So what they used to do during the campaign is they used to send out talking points. And it's interesting because since it worked, Donald believes that talking points would be the key to a successful presidency. Yeah. And so every single day, anytime there was anything going on, there would be somebody working for the president that would send out talking points memos to all of the Republicans yeah. across the board. If, in fact, you're going to go on television, here are the words that we want you to say. It was no different. Once again, is my House oversight, right, constantly calling, make sure you call Michael Cohen a felon.
Make sure you remind him he's going to prison. Make sure that you turn around and call him a convicted liar. And they would basically line them up on things that they wanted each and every one of the Republicans to say. And, and not doing to say. The same Make sure you don't try right. to actually confront the arguments here. We don't look so good there. That's right. Exactly. You had you, you hit the nail right on the head, right? So let me ask you this then, Harry. Do you think it's possible that the evidence the January 6th committee has can open up a Watergate-type situation, right? Because Merrick Garland is moving at a fucking snail's pace. But they have actually coordinated with the January 6th committee, and they now have all the closed-door transcripts. What are your thoughts on that? And... Being that we now know that they have opened some sort of an investigation, the info, like the who and the what, can you speculate on any of this? You know, a little bit. So first, again, we, you and I have our have our 30 seconds of, of uh, opposition on uh, every time I, I appear and every time, which I always... Uh, enjoy and, and find but very But you're not supposed to agree with me. But, I yeah. say this all the time. Yeah, so I don't I'm, want so, um, you as my, as my guest. Yeah, so I'm again reserving my objection of how fast he's moving, what he's doing, what, what is in his, his mindset. So let's start with the committee. Will they open up a Watergate? Depends what you mean by Watergate. I, they, my, here's what I mean by, by Watergate. We had this third-rate burglary, and then you had hearings, and John Dean and Jeb Magruder, and all of a sudden we had what uh, John Dean called aptly a cancer on the government. So it metastasized from some, you know, little misdemeanors to a huge, you know, political felony. Do we have that? I think we do have that. And we're gonna show that, that the, the January 6th, far from being some kind of spontaneous uh, eruption by by some crazy MAGA uh, patriots was in fact the culmination, the sort of fourth and final stage of a series of unlawful episodes to undo the election that started shortly after the election. In that sense, factually, we have a Watergate. Now, what you're when you ask about the Department of Justice, will they will it be prosecuted? like a, um, a, a Watergate when, you know, Ehrlichman, Haldeman, uh, Colson, Dean, you know, many people went to uh, jail. Of course, Nixon didn't because he had the, um, you know, Liddy. Liddy, you know, he had the, the, the respect for the institutions to just resign and get out of there, which, which uh, Trump uh, won't. I can just say that, um, you know, I that I credit what, what Garland said on January 5th, that they're going to go where the facts and law lead them. And again, comparing to Watergate, let's say for the time being that even though everyone's clamoring for Trump's head on a platter or in an orange jumpsuit with his with his hair, uh, you know, revealed to be to be um, Let's put that aside for a moment, and I will say that, as in Watergate, where the people I talked about went to jail and were ruined, there's real peril, I think, for the Mark Meadowses of of the world, maybe the Jared uh, Kushner people who were, who were involved, who were serious government officials and abuser uh, abusers of official power okay now will that will that lead ultimately to a criminal um, 
uh, prosecution of Donald Trump, which would everyone, you know, seems to be, um, uh, you know, mostly wondering about. Of course, I don't know. And as I've said before, there's 18 different things you have to factor in when you're talking about. I'll just say personally, to me, the case has gotten a lot stronger because he's continued to be he's just redoubled in his jackass ways and it's totally appropriate for a you know the federal law enforcement to think here's a guy who not only did all this crap but he wants to do it again he's completely unrepentant and it's enacting real damage to the the republic so you know at the 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 point of view that many people can good solid prosecutorial small c conservative people are coming around to which is the only thing worse than prosecuting him would be not prosecuting him you know i i think is you know the the um the turmoil and the uh, kind of upheaval that it would entail is colossal. Like, but nevertheless, 